Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm obsessed with all things writing, creativity, and telling your stories in your authentic voice, because I believe a good story can change the world. Ever since I was a little girl with my nose in a book, I dreamed of being an author. I wanted to see my books in bookstores everywhere. I wanted to talk about books. I wanted to soak up everything about the craft. My celebrity crushes were mostly authors, and I could feel in my bones that the writer's life was my destiny. Fast forward to today. Along with my alter ego, Kate Conti, I'm an Agatha Award-nominated best-selling author with three mystery series, but it wasn't all smooth sailing along the way. I experienced many setbacks, crushing self-doubt, a lot of career detours, and I even lost my voice a few times when I let the world get in my way. Until I learned that writing was so much more than just a skill set you learned and developed over time. It's also an inside job that flourishes when you heal all the wounds that are stifling your creativity, which is no easy task. So if you're a writer of any kind, or if you've always wanted to write but aren't sure where to start, this is the place for you, my friend. We're going to talk about all things writing process, craft, strategies to help you get writing and stay writing, the daunting world of agents, editors, and publishing. And because I'm using my authentic voice, I'm going to throw in a little woo-woo for you too. So let's get writing, shall we? episode of the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro. And it's a special episode because today is one year since the Get Writing Podcast launched. One year. I kind of can't believe it. When I started this podcast, I'd been thinking about starting one for a while. I'd created, launched, and hosted a podcast at my last corporate job. And while the conversations there were way more scripted than I liked, I really loved it. I love the medium. I love being able to talk to people. And, you know, part of me will always be a journalist, so I love interviewing. And I thought talking about writing with other writers would be just so fun. And I wasn't wrong. I have loved bringing this podcast to all of you over this past year. I've had so many amazing conversations with so many people, some of whom I know really well, and others whom I met just because of the podcast. And some have become friends, which is also so cool. When I started the show, I knew I wanted to cover all aspects of writing. As an author myself, I knew the crime genre would be a big piece of it because I write mysteries, along with process and publishing and deadlines and marketing and community and highs and lows of being in this business, all of the things. And I also knew I wanted to cover not just crime, but all kinds of writing. So over the past year, I've talked to romance authors, fantasy authors, self-help authors, memoir authors, musicians and more. I love the spectrum of conversations all held together by that one creative thread of putting words down on the page in some form that will touch or change someone's life. But something I realized a long time ago is that writing isn't something that compartmentalizes well. And what I mean by that is if you're not tending to yourself as a whole person, you're probably not tending to your creative self very well. And to me, that means establishing a writing practice that's sustainable which is also about finding the creative process that works for you. 
it means working every day on your mindset because without a good mindset, you're going to struggle and probably not get much accomplished. And I say this from experience and it means celebrating the communities that you find and make along the way. So for this episode, I wanted to highlight some of my favorites from each of those buckets, creative process, mindset, and community. Here they are. So for anyone listening who, you know, really struggles with plotting, can you just walk us through the process that you use in more detail and like, how do you do it? How long does it take you to do it? You know, what are the things that you're thinking about all of, all of the, the things, all the juicy bits? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So generally speaking, I start my, all of my books with just some sort of a nugget of an idea. It's very often place. Um, when I'm writing series, I already know the place, so it might be more of a situation. With the series I'm writing, they're sequentially done, so I know when in time this book will be taking place. So I start to do some research on current events that were happening. I write historical novels, and so I can look up in newspaper archives and other sources things that were happening and just kind of prime the pump of ideas. And it makes me curious. I follow my curiosity. That's my number one rule. Follow the fun, follow the curiosity. And so I start gathering up information and thoughts and they start to just kind of stick to each other a little at a time. And I just make a note of this and a note of that. And before too long, I have a lot of questions about how it could pertain to the story. So pull out a notebook and I start asking myself questions in the notebook and I answer the questions in the notebook. And I answer it in a lot of ways. And they could be totally contradictory. But when I answer it in a way that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good. We circle the answer. And then I ask more questions often based on that answer. So I keep going and keep going till I feel a little itchy, like it's time to start really making this story. And then I move to a giant board I have in the wall of my office. It's a glass board. And I start mind mapping and scrawling out possibilities and scratching them out and whatever. And there comes a point where I'm ready to start moving these disparate thoughts into something a little more concrete. So what I do with my own books, but I also do it with clients like you, is to have a sense of the length of the novel that I'm expected to write, either what I prefer to write or what I've been contracted to write. And then I have a sense of the number of words that I usually write in a scene. I think that's something that's really great to know as a novelist, approximately how many words you tend to write in scenes. We all have a natural length. And based on that, I'll do some math to figure out how many scenes are probably going to be in this novel. Usually at this point, I have a sense of how many um, protagonists, how many point of view characters, and I'll break it out, the number of scenes, maybe it's two protagonists, they're equally weighted, that's 24 scenes each if it's a 48 scene novel, and I put some sticky notes up um, using a a three-act structure. That would be 12 scenes for act one, 24 for act two, 12 scenes for act three. Just put them up, stick them up on the wall, and then... I start writing down on other sticky notes ideas I have for things that are happening in the book. So like with your books, Liz, we always talk about um, who are the, who could be the victim and who could be the, the suspects and what are some of the events that are taking place in the course of the novel. And each of those things suggest a scene, the introduction of each of those characters and things that need to get done. And those discrete chunks of story get written on the, on the sticky notes. And I start replacing those blank sticky notes in my roadmap 
with these other sticky notes approximately where I think they're going to go. And they get rearranged. And then one thing leads to another where logically between these two scenes that are out of order and a big gap, you've got to keep closing in between them. Well, what would happen in between there to get mm. from point A to point B? And the plot emerges little by little by continuing to ask those questions about who could it be? You use story structure, black moment, midpoint, um, deciding to go on the journey, the climax scene of the novel, those fixed points are sort of roadmap signs to head for with all of these loose scenes. But it's a very organic process. You don't have to know things in order and you don't have to know them fast. You just kind of keep following your curiosity and picking along until all of a sudden there's a book. I think um, as unromantic as this sounds, um, a lot of my songwriting is kind of like nine to five where like, I just tell myself that you're going to sit down at the desk with a guitar or a keyboard and you're going to work for eight hours. And at the end of the day, you might have something great at the end of the day, you might have nothing, but you have to put in the time. And it really, it took us probably about a year and a half to write all of the music. The other year and a half was recording it and mixing it and mastering it and all that. Um, but so as far as putting myself in the mode, it's just like punching the time card, putting in the hours, um, and kind of getting it done. But as far as like, if I'm fighting writer's block or something, I don't, I don't know if you've ever done this, but my favorite thing to do is write something bad on purpose. Hmm. Because it like, it breaks you out of your, it gets the editor out of your head. And yeah. I'm like, all right, well I could do this or this. It doesn't matter. It's going to be a bad song. So it just forces you to make decisions quickly and it kind of greases the wheels a little bit. And uh, consequently, Mark and I ended up with a record that we're really proud of and about 30 or 40 terrible songs that make us both laugh really hard. <laughs> I love that. I've never actually gone to, so I actually just did a webinar last night for um, Sisters in Crime, which is a international writing group that I'm part of. Um, and we were talking about, you know, how you get out of writer's block and how you get over creative slumps and all of that. And one of the things that I need to do when I'm working on a book and I'm, it's going nowhere. Sometimes I'll open up a completely different document and I'll just start writing something somewhere else because in my head it's like, well, it's not in the actual manuscript. So it doesn't matter what I write over here. So I've never set out to do it really bad on purpose, but I'm like, there's other tricks that I try to play on my own mind to get myself to just start writing something. So that's cool. Yeah. I like that. I think we're doing the same thing. I think the only difference is I'm like trying to make it bad because <laughs> um, I think when you do that, it ends up being fun and funny and like you really throw caution to the wind with terms of like the editor in your head. Like you just sort of kick the editor out of the room completely. And, but I, I think the end result is the same where you and I have both kind of gone outside the thing we're working on to work on something else and just sort of, like I said before, like grease the wheels and get the process started again. Yeah. It's just getting past that crazy perfectionist mindset that I think we all have on some level. 
But also yeah. we need the right mindset. And that was another oh, thing I wanted to talk to you about because yeah. I, we're always, you know, kind of trying to boost each other up when things get tough. And, you know, so to go back to that question about now I'm published and all is going to be fantastic and then it's not, how do we keep going when something might happen that doesn't fit into where we thought we were going to be? Well, this is another thing that you and I have in common. Are we both been coaches? We've, um, you know, and help people with that. And in helping other people, we help ourselves. Um, but mindset is everything. Yeah. And not digging in to what used to work for you and may not work anymore is, I think, critically important. So when I talked about core values, you can have core, your personal core values, but they do evolve over time. So if you keep working with the same structure that you always did, or you keep working with the same mindset that you always did, at some point it may not work. And so you need to develop a toolbox with more. Um, mindset is, is getting the critic off your shoulder, but also listening to the other voice that that's, may sound like a critic, but is also uh, trying to help you, you know, um, say this is this method of working doesn't work for you anymore julie or you've got to go out and take a walk yeah. <laughs> you've got to get out of your own way or find the joy again i don't know about you liz but i found during the pandemic um and i think again because i've worked in theater for so long and it's such a painful time still a t painful time for so many performing artists and theater companies um that i just it, I wasn't finding the joy. Yeah. Right. Yep. And um, now I, I don't currently have a book contract. So I'm working on things for myself and I'm trying to think what, what will sell, but also what will push me, what will be different and what do I want and how can I reframe my thinking to make that happen? So don't get stuck in the, okay, so now I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that because that's, what's always worked. It's like, if I want to break out of, um, I love writing cozies. I love cozies, but suppose I want to write a suspense. Yeah. I've got to shift my mindset in order to make that happen. And, and once you've built a groove in publishing, nobody wants you to leave that groove. Yeah. So you've got to, you've got to get yourself out of it. Right? Yeah. Um, your agent, your, you know, hopefully your publisher, other people will help you once you do it, but nobody does any of this for you. You have to do it all yourself. Nobody cares about your career as much as you do. Yep. Nobody. A hundred so, thousand percent. <laughs> right? So if your mindset isn't supporting you in what you want to try and do, you just got to, you've got to spend the time to figure out what's going on. Why am I not there? What am, what's getting in my way and do what you can to fix it. And it may not be huge fixes. It may be every day, just an affirmation or just, I can't like, okay, why did I just say I can't write the scene <laughs> or I can't write this book or <clears throat> I can't do this. What, what's going on here? And and also recognize that this is part of the human condition. Um, I also am trying to, and again, this is a Jesse um, quote, <clears throat> follow the fun. Mm -hmm. But, you know, 
find the joy in this. It's writing is really hard work, hard physically, hard mentally, hard on your imagination. As you said earlier, you and I both also work more hours than we should. <laughs> um, and so finding time, finding energy, um, and you know, it, it, if you're, hands have arthritis or your back hurts or something it, it's a physically taxing thing but it, it's got to it's got to bring you joy hi this is julian the producer for the get writing podcast zencaster is an extremely important part of our workflow on this show podcasting has you working with a wide range of people who all have different computer and office setups different levels of comfort with technology and different levels of time and patience Zencaster takes this big logistical headache and makes it utterly trivial. No more grappling with recording software, waiting for files to be delivered, losing files, none of that. Log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. Record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. If you've ever thought about podcasting and thought that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are over. Zencaster is an all-in-one podcasting platform. You can create your show all in one place and then distribute it to Spotify, Apple, and all the other major destinations. Go to Zencaster.com pricing and use our code writing, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience as we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Writing is really hard. It's just really hard. When I when I was writing this, the first three books of this series, um, I had a, a job I was doing ten hours a day, sixty hours a week, and so I, my day started at seven thirty, ended just after seven thirty because our show was at seven. So I had to get up at three thirty, four o'clock in the morning to write, and you can't do that unless you've got that that thing inside of you that you want to do it if it's just prescribed like oh i've got to do this you're going to run out of steam yeah. and that's really what it comes down to i think success a lot of times comes down to it's got to be this font within you if it feels more like a job and it does feel like a job sometimes but if you don't have that i've got to do this i've got to do this i've got to get this out of me sort of thing you're going to run out of steam so i think that you ha i agree with you 100 you've got to find that thing that you love to do you got to find that sort of style that you want to write because otherwise you're going to run out of gas. And when it is something that's coming from you, you'll, I feel that you'll never run out of gas. It's within you as much as breathing. And so that is in itself, that is a, a real source of power, just writing that thing you need to do and then never stopping. I mean, writing about yourself is risky enough. I learned that lesson too. You start writing about your personal life. And I, I, I mean, I didn't think before I did some of the things that I did. And we can talk about that a bit too, because uh, when we get to the part about getting unstuck, because um, that's such a big part of a writer's life is getting unstuck sometimes too. Uh, and for me, it's about getting some of those voices out of your head, but writers, uh, what do we, what do you call it? Uh, beginner's mind. So beginner's mind is a really great thing. I wish sometimes that I could go back to beginner's mind when I hadn't written very much and nobody was expecting anything. And I could just, I just wrote it and didn't think about it, you know, and there's a lot to be said for doing that. Um, it's risky to write about yourself. It's even riskier to write about friends or family, especially with memoir, because the goal 
is to be truthful. A memoir is the truth. You are supposed to mine and mine and bring the truth out of the story. That is what a memoir is supposed to be. That's what a memoir is. Um, so I think, you know, the answer is, I think you can decide later if you want to share your story in a more public fashion. I think save those very fair questions such as, is it too much? Is it going to hurt anybody I know? Can I live with putting this out there for later? I think the first thing is to just write what you want to write as, as strongly as you can uh, with as much insight, truth, and clarity as you can. Um, and those real-life issues will come to play, and we can talk about them. But, I mean, just getting your story out is so important. And you got to remember a few things. You know, the truth is that your memory is your memory. Uh, we may be in the same place in time with someone, experience the same event, but our versions of what happened might be drastically different. You know, that's the Rashomon effect is what I would call it. You know, that movie Rashomon where one event happens and four people experience it in different ways. That's that's perfectly acceptable. It's normal. I mean, in a way, you have to own your own memory and not worry too much about all the other accounts. And in fact, <clears throat> one of the, the quotes that I remember reading a long time ago from Tennessee Williams, who I love, is this. Honor the story you were meant to tell. Do not listen to the fear and the criticism of those inner voices who wonder how it will be received. Never be afraid of audiences you have yet to deserve until you tell the truth as only you can. You're writing to honor your memories and you are presenting them to bond and to communicate with others. That is a huge undertaking and that is all you should be concerned with when you sit before the pale judgment. Ooh, I love that. And that's so true for any type of writing too, right? Whether yeah. it's memoir, fiction, just get the story out and, and fix it later. Yeah, there'll be time to figure all of that stuff out. But telling the truth as honestly and vividly as you can is extremely important. When I started writing and and marketing and going to do this as a business, I remembered what it felt like to find a book, to escape. So I always said to myself, just one reader. You know, I'm, I'm a therapist. I can do this. I'm just going to focus on that one reader. So every piece of marketing material that I did, every piece, every post that I wrote on Facebook, I did it with that feeling of how I felt and how mm -hmm. I want the one person to feel when they got my stuff. But again, you know, it was something, and that's what I've built my business on. You know, just the one, one reader is just the one reader. And, um, I still that still do that today that, I mean, I, even back then I was writing, um, I collected email or mailing addresses and I still have a little black book and I still take it everywhere with me. And I'm, it started out with one, person. Hmm. But anytime I travel somewhere, like last week, I was in Austin, Texas for an event. And I went, first thing I did when I got off the airplane is I went to the airport gift shop. I bought 10 postcards. I had my little black book. I mail, I dressed them and I sent them off. So I, that's something I've always done is grassroots uh, marketing and still keeping in contact with them. Every month I send out handwritten birthday cards. So, I mean, it's maybe it's grown to maybe like three to five thousand a month. Um, oh. And I've seriously thought about stopping it. But um, 
especially now that the, the postcard stamp has gone up, but I still get that one email or two emails or however many emails that'll say, oh my gosh, I got your postcard. Thank you so much. Um, this will probably be the only birthday card I get. Oh. And to me, that, and they might not have that, not have read my, because I don't curate this list. It just keeps going. Yep. Um, so that person might've been on the list since 2015 and doesn't read my stuff anymore, but I don't care. Yeah. You know, if I'm touching her that way and not, then I get into her mind again and she's probably like, oh, I wonder what Tanya's been up to. You know, so that's really not, that's not why I do it, but that's kind of been the trend. Like that's been the aftermath of me sending it. When in reality, I'm sending it with love and truly wishing you happy birthday. And I got that idea from my dentist. <laughs> So my dentist, every year I get a postcard from my dental office for my birthday. It's just like my cat, Rowena, she gets it from Chewy. Who doesn't love a postcard from Chewy? So, you know, back in the day when I got that from my dentist, you know, I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder if readers would like a postcard that just says happy birthday, you know, and it's not a big card. It's just a postcard that, you know, I get in bulk and I sign it. Um, I used to handwrite all of their addresses until I got smart and learned how to do like Avery stickers and mm-hmm. put them in a, a spreadsheet and just do it. But, um, but every month I sit down at the 16th of the, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's regiment at the 16th of each month, I sit down and write their postcards for the following month because I want to make sure I get them out the week before. So they have it on their birthday month. That's amazing. Um, and it's That's not, it, you know, it's, it's a treat people the way I want to be treated. And I think that that goes along and I'm genuinely serious. Like I'm, I generally, if it's just one reader. Um, and so, you know, I've always kept, I had one, one of the reader emails I'd gotten in the very beginning, she had said to me, um, in her email and it was the email that I wanted that one reader email that, that, that solidified my crazy idea at midnight, with a bottle of wine in me and that I'm not going crazy the next day when I started writing this book. Um, And she said, I just want you to know that your book helped me get through my mom's open heart surgery. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, that's my reader email. And to this day, it's still printed out sitting on my desk. I had it laminated because that was the one reader email. So the first thing I did, uh, aside from figure out like, very loosely what a plot could be that I could start on was start Googling like mystery writer conferences. And I found one like in my own backyard, which was really cool. The sisters in crime, um, and mystery writers of America sponsored crime bake, new England crime bake. And so this was, you know, a very, very long time ago. So I went to the conference that first year. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anything. I mean, I knew how to generally write, but I didn't know how to write mysteries. I had never done it. I didn't know anybody in the community. Um, and I just started connecting with people, which led me to join the sisters in crime group. And then I joined the local chapter and eventually 10 years later, that's how I got my first contract. So nice. Oh, that's such, that is so similar. And you know, it's as writers, we spend so much time just us and our computers that it is nice to have some sort of, you know, community that you are connecting with and, and checking in with and learning from. So yeah, that, that sounds so similar, the timing and everything. Yeah. Did you find yours just kind of Googling or? 
I did. I was just yeah. Googling and little did I know that, yeah, there's this huge worldwide organization um, that I didn't know about. And they had a really wonderful local chapter, which I'm so grateful for. I know that's not true for every area, but in my area, it's it's really strong and, and a lot of resources that I can tap into from critique groups to local events to, you know, continuing education and conferences. So um, there's no, and so I'm still involved. I mean, it's been 10 years and I'm still actively involved in, and, and how have a lot of writing friends in this group, yeah. which is so now it's a different experience when I go, you know, than my first one where I was sitting in the back corner, you know, didn't yeah. know anybody. But now it's like, oh, these are my people. So it's been really supportive. Friends, there you go. That's just a sampling of some of the things that we've covered last year. I'll drop links to each of these episodes in the show notes in case you want to go back and listen. And I hope you've enjoyed this look back to this past year. More, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast so far. I can't wait to bring you more episodes that help your writing life expand joyfully, productively, and successfully. So if you have ideas on topics you want to hear about, send them to me. You can find me on Instagram at Liz Magavro or at my website, kateconti.com. And send me a message. Let me know what you think of the show. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate, review, all the things. And as always, thanks for tuning in and keep writing, keep creating, and keep sharing your words with the world. I'll see you next week.